Hey, welcome to Genre Exposure, a film podcast. Join us as we explore the wide world of cinema, broaden our horizons one movie at a time. I'm one of your hosts, Dustin, and as usual, I am here with Jason. Hey, everyone. What's up, my dude? Hey, man. Doing well about yourself? I, I am, I'm limping through this October. Oh, no. Yeah, work, work stuff has not been too great. Those blasphemers have spoiled the holy time. <laughs> they must be punished. I don't know what it is. It's really like the last few years. Like every time October runs around, stuff gets bad in like all other aspects of my life. And then it's like it detracts from the the enjoyment. That's but at least I know every night I come home and I'm throwing on a horror film. Damn right. It feels good. And now we're talking about some horror films. We are. We're continuing our discussion of Halloween set or around or near there films. Uh-huh. And uh, you kicked us off with a new one, Cobweb. A, a divisive one, divisive. apparently. And, and this one may also be divisive, but I'm taking us back to the 90s. Oh, God. No. No. <laughs> taking us back for Rodman Flinders' Idle Hands. Mm. Some may say a cult classic. Others may say Forgotten Turd. <laughs> um, yeah, this is one I did not see back in the day. See, I'm utterly surprised by that, but we, we've talked about this a bit off the air that like, so I was 13 when this came out and I was like primed for it. Yeah. So I was like yeah. you know, 23, 24. Mm-hmm. I was a mature man. <laughs> like mm, these, <laughs> these 90s teen horror films. Yeah. I was a total film snob though. So, mm-hmm. you know, most stuff like that I was not paying attention to. <laughs> Um, so I'm very interested on your whole take as we go through this because you've never seen it. That's so going to be interesting. All right. Uh, but first, we're going to do all our usual stuff. We're going to talk about what we've been watching a little bit since we're chugging movies like they're crazy this month. Damn right. Um, I don't think I really have a shout out this time. I haven't a lot of time to dig into some other stuff and yeah, find anything cool. Um, but you know, we are part of the Prescribed Films Podcast Network. And there's bajillions of other hours of episodes of other shows you can go check out. To find any sort of film flavor you're interested in that you would like to hear more about. And to fill your ear holes with. Damn right. So go check that out. Show some other shows on our network some love. Just keep celebrating movies, my man. Damn right. So what have you been watching? Um, okay, well, I've been watching a bunch of stuff. But I will talk about something new I watched in case there's anyone out there wondering if they should spend their precious time mm. to watch this movie. That can be helpful, yeah. Yes. Uh, so this is an Amazon Prime film called Totally Killer. Oh, I've been curious about this, so yeah. now I'm, I'm glad that you've watched it. Just dropped like a week ago oh, or something. It looked very um, Happy Death Day. It is pretty much a mixture between... There's a little bit of Happy Death Day in there, mm-hmm. but it's also very much um, Final Girl okay. and Back to the Future. I'm okay with this. Mm-hmm. If done uh, well. Yeah. Well, I'll set up the the, <laughs> um, the description is... When the infamous Sweet Sixteen killer returns 35 years after his first murder spree to claim another victim, 17-year-old Jamie accidentally travels back in time to 1987, determined to stop the killer before he can start. Mm. So one of the victims, potential victims of this killer, is uh, her mother. Oh, okay, yeah, so here's the final girl section. Yeah, yeah, she's meeting her mother like she was Uh. when she was a teenager, and of course, you know, she's she's like a raging bitch, you know, (laughs) or at least she appears to be until she really gets to know her. Uh Uh, But Hmm. the lead is Karen Shipka, who I like a lot. She's a very good actress. It's not ringing a bell for me. Uh, She played Sabrina in the series. Oh, okay, yeah, cool, awesome. Sally in Mad Men. Nice. Um, Black Coat's Daughter. Mm. If anyone out there has not seen The Black Coat's Daughter, excellent film. Stop listening and go watch it and then come back. 
Um, this movie is fun enough. It's harmless enough. It's it, it's pretty much exactly what you would expect. Mm-hmm. It is rated R, but I think it's mostly for language. Mm. There's some kills, uh, but nothing that's like you know groundbreaking. Okay. Uh, probably a little gorier than I would have expected it to be, because it, it actually did what Final Girl should have done. I think it should have gone for the R rating. Mm, yeah. And this one does the whole way. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Yeah, if you're if you like comedy horror and you don't really want something serious, you want to watch something kind of goofy. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can watch with your significant other if they're not really into horror films. Well, I think we're going to learn today that I quite like comedy horror. Yes, uh, this this is a fun enough diversion. It just it's one of those things you can't really take seriously. The killer mm-hmm. re- wears this mask. It's like a you know like a rubber mask that looks like. It looks like a person. It looks like a cross between <laughs> Gary Busey and Beavis. Ooh, okay. And it's not threatening <laughs> or scary. It's just kind of dumb looking. Well, there's, there's been all types, right? Like the, the Cupid face mask. Yeah, and... I, another one I didn't care for. <laughs> um, but you'll be happy to know that one of the, um, well, yeah, kind of minor character, one of the characters is a podcaster. Oh, Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and they die, I'm sure, right? He's like made his living about this murder that happened 30 some years ago. It's like right. apparently the only thing he podcasts about. Okay, well, it's already <laughs> not true because <laughs> podcasters making a living. <laughs> hey, there are some out there I hear. I've heard legends, fables, <laughs> tales. <laughs> um, so, yeah, check it out. If you already got, you know, Amazon Prime, you're not paying for it. So, Oh, it's free on Prime. It is. Yeah. Well, I'm definitely going to watch it then. Of course, Michael would make the distinction that you've got to pay for Prime, <laughs> so technically it's not free. Listen, I pay for Prime for the free shipping, so... Yeah, damn right. The movies are yeah, a bonus. That's just a bonus. Yeah. Okay, so what about you, do? What have you been watching? You got anything else? That's all I'll talk about right okay. now. Cool. Cool. Uh, I wanted to talk about more of an event, an experience, that includes two films, and that is... Um, I went to a drive-in theater for the first time. Neat! Somehow in my life, I had never, ever been to one. Uh, yeah, buddy, I went to someone that was younger. My buddy Daniel was like, dude, we got to fix that. I know one that's showing like old horror films all month. We should go. Let's check one out. And um, we missed one that was going to be really cool that was like, what was it? It was a double of Bordello of Blood and The Frighteners. But the schedule didn't work out. And I was like, dude, that would be a crazy double to go to. Oh, You're cringing man. over there. I, I am, man. <laughs> one, I fucking hate Bordello of Blood. Oh, my God. fucking hate it. I don't know if I can do this episode anymore. And I found The Frighteners to be... Painfully average. <laughs> I found the Frighteners to be painfully average. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. Did I say I was? Did I say I was a film snob? I meant I am still a film snob. Um, but yeah, our schedules didn't work out, so we couldn't swing that one. Um, but last weekend, the stars aligned, and they were doing a double of the original Friday the 13th. And Pet Cemetery. See, I think that's a original. much better double feature. And I would much rather go see that. And we were like, dude, this is dope. It was funny because they have a second screen, and I think it was showing um, Drag Me to Hell and The Thing. Even more awesome. Uh. Or just as awesome. Because you, you do mean the original The Thing, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, okay, John the, Carpenter's the, Carpenter, the yeah. Thing. The good one. E- either way, you're good to go. Uh. As long as it's not that pseudo-sequel <laughs> thing that came out. Oh, God. Which could have been good. Had, had they, potential. Had they done the effects right. But anyways... So it was cool in wake of like, you know, our Friday the 13th super special bonus thing we did to then go back and watch the first one. Yeah. And even doing it, I was like, oh, already I want to kind of shift its position and like I was gonna say, lift it higher now. Because it's yeah. like anytime I watch one, it's like in that moment, it's like, oh, this one. <laughs> That's pretty damn good. Can slide up the list now a little more. 
Uh, but it was super fun. Drive-in experience. It was a nice little like mom and pop place. It was basically a field between some houses. Mm-hmm. And they kind of had like one screen was one way. And then there was like a concession stand kind of in the middle. And then on the other side, there was like the other screen turned the other way. Nice. Um, yeah, I hadn't been the one in ages. Yeah, very nice like mom and pop style concession food too, which mm-hmm. is cool. Um, Friday the 13th, fucking love it. You know that. You, you heard us gush about it for three hours. Yeah. Um, seeing it in a drive-in was cool. I don't think I've ever seen the original in any kind of like theater experience. So that was nice. Um, I got to see it uh, ages ago at one of the... Um, no, no, no. This was even longer ago than that. This was probably uh, late 90s, early 2000s, back when the Kentucky Theater was still playing actual mm-hmm. film. Nice. I got to see it. I mean, it's reshown often, so it's easy to catch in theaters, but... yeah. Um, but how was the presentation? Because I'm sure they were throwing up like the Blu-ray or something. You know? It was definitely digital. I know that. Yeah. Um, no one does project. It went right into the film, so I don't know if they're running it off Blu-rays or, or how they're doing it. But, uh, but it looked okay? It looked good. Mm. Um, I think you would have been annoyed because it was slightly cropped out of frame. Yeah. Like there was like a tiny little inch at the top that was like a little, little bit out of frame. Mm, yeah. Um, That's annoying. It didn't bother me, but I was like, man, if Jason was here, he would be, <laughs> be storming through the office. He would be raw, man. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> um, sound was good. They had the whole setup where you just tuned to a radio station yeah. and it played through your car, so that, that was convenient. Yeah, it's much better than the old tinny yeah. speaker you had to sit on your <laughs> yeah. window back in the day. Um, but yeah, man, I love the original Friday the 13th. It was super fun. Um, kind of just echoed a lot of my feelings from when we discussed it, that I was like, man, wish there was more Pamela. Yeah. She should have showed up at least for one scene. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I loved it. And then Pet Cemetery is another 80s horror film that I just fucking love to death. Dude, I love Pet Cemetery. It may be my favorite Stephen King story. I don't know. It's, it's up there. It's up there. It's high. Story or you mean like the book or both in a movie? Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Maybe one day we should do like a Stephen King special and go go through that whole thing. Oh but my God. Um, I mean, I love it. I love it. Like, again, it's one of those things like I see it as a kid and then it's like it's one of those things that's like echoed through my life. But, like the themes of like the fear of death and the realization yeah. that like your loved ones are going to go away and tackling that and dealing with that. It's a great book. And how it's encapsulated in the daughter, but then like Lewis goes through all of that himself. Yeah. Even yeah. though he thinks he's the one that's like so sure of things yeah. and like wants to reassure her, but then even he has so many like doubts in him. And then just, you know, Fred Gwynn as Judd just like steals the show. I don't think that movie gets enough love. No, no, no. It, it's always been kind of like, Oh, it's good, but it could have been better. And it's like, wh- compared to what? Wow. Yeah. Compared to what? And I'm like, right. come on, man. Plus Zelda. Fuck. God. Scariest thing in that whole movie. <laughs> Potentially scarier than like any of the other things that should be. Give me the supernatural shit any day yeah. over fucking Zelda. Especially the nightmare that um, she has about like where she's mm-hmm. like, I'm coming to get you. Yeah, yeah. Me and Gage are waiting for you. It's like, oh, God. Fuck that, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Nice. Awesome. Um, I don't have a lot of deep things to say about it. It was just a cool driving experience. That's very cool. And then it was neat because we, we had to go a little ways to get to it. So then like there was the drive back home and you're just kind of in that afterglow of two movies mm-hmm. and, and talking about it and stuff. Yeah. And yeah. It was super fun. Nice. Great October event to do for horror Halloween times. Sweet. Love it. Maybe I should try to get there before the month's out. We, sh- we should. Yeah. I'm ready to go again already. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Let's do it. The next day I was like, hmm, I wonder when we're showing... The next go around. Hmm. Something to look forward to, perhaps. Yes. Now, where was it? So the folks at home. Oh, yeah, yeah. If you're uh, local to us, which I think demographic-wise, we've learned that not many people are, but um, 
one day, if you're out there stumbling around and come across this and you're local to the Kentucky area, it was the Judy Drive-In, which is in Mount Sterling. Mount Sterling. You can find them on Facebook. Not too far from here. I'll probably link their website in the show notes, too. Just uh, if you're in the area or maybe staying around visiting family or friends. Yeah, do it, yeah. Yeah. Nice. They're, they're very local, very like mom and pop style, so they deserve the support. That's cool. Damn right. Hell yeah. So today we are talking about Idle Hands, directed by Rodman Flinder from 1999, squeaking in right at the end of the decade. Uh, Flinder, you might know him from such amazing films as Leprechaun 2 <coughs> or The Unborn. Also, Eat Brains Love, which is uh, a little, little newer and I've not seen it, so I don't know. I haven't even heard of that. I don't one. know if he's maintained the magic of this <laughs> film, but I see a lot of one stars on Letterboxd, so. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> so. Maybe I'll just hit you with the synopsis on this film first to lead us in. Um, the touching story of a boy in his right hand. <laughs> Anton is a cheerful but exceedingly non-ambitious 17-year-old stoner who lives to stay buzzed, watch TV, and moon over Molly, the beautiful girl who lives next door. However, it turns out that the old cliche about idle hands being the devil's playground has a kernel of truth after all. Hmm. Very weird synopsis. <laughs> That's a strange synopsis. Yeah. It's kind of awkward. Well, that, that's what they went with, so... Okay. Um, genre, it's a horror comedy. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, IMDb says fantasy as well. Well. <laughs> Which I don't really understand okay. that. But, but isn't every horror a fantasy in a lot of ways? Isn't every work of fiction a fantasy? <laughs> I mean, you know, true crime, I guess. Like Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, I guess that's not really fantasy, but... Well, they embellished it. They do embellish it, so that's kind of a fantasy still. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Uh, I do think it's notable to clarify. It's like teen comedy, I would say. It's very much... Oh, it is very much. If you look to other 90s teen comedies, I think of like Can't Hardly Wait, She's All That, films like that. Um, It's very in that style on the the comedy angle. This movie, even though it's rated R, Mm. I think was squarely aimed at (laughs) (laughs) 14-year-olds. And and again, as a 13-year-old when this came out, I was just... You were the demographic. I was all over it and it worked. Um, But I do say it it is R rated. And I do think like it is a horror film still. It's not just. No, I was actually surprised at the mm. amount of gore. Yeah. In, in the flick, because they um, could have easily have gone for the PG thirteen route. Oh yeah, and sold probably way more tickets and everything. But yeah. uh, they had a vision. They stuck to it, which I respect. But we've talked about this before with like horror comedy. Sometimes it's like it's a horror first, then it has comedy, or it's a comedy first that then kind of sprinkles horror elements. Yes. So I, I wanted to at least define that. That I, I, to me, it is, it is a horror movie first, that then also is a comedy. See, I would say it's a comedy first. Oh, yeah? I would. Mm, okay. But maybe we'll get into that. Let us. Um, some background stuff on this, just to go in. Um, Flinder was not the first pick to direct this film. He got it after the prior two people who were offered the job turned it down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which I thought was pretty funny. Um I think the rest all just kind of seed in as we go. I wonder what they turned it down for. I don't know. Okay, so um, film opens, as many do. It's um, 
It's a dark night in a nice little peaceful neighborhood. A neighborhood that might be a little familiar to anyone that is a horror aficionado. Oh, yeah? Why is that? It was filmed in the same neighborhood where they shot the original Halloween from 1978. Nice. I thought it looked familiar. <laughs> Especially when they're kind of walking down the street. You get that vibe. Yeah. And the film does open on a jack-o'-lantern. Mm-hmm. So it's starting things off right. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just a, it's a dark night in a neighborhood where you immediately know it's Halloween because there's a jack-o'-lantern. There's lots of Halloween decorations. And we are looking at the Tobias family. Uh, the mom and dad, they're kind of settling in for the night, mm-hmm. getting into the bed. And the dad is Fred Willard, mm-hmm. who notably many people will know from various comedies and also <laughs> horror. He, he was uh, a memorable character in the Salem's Lot, the oh, original TV yeah, yeah. movie. Yeah. So whenever I see him, I always flash back to Salem's Lot, which oh, is nice. fine by me because I love that fucking movie. Okay, so it's priming you up, right? Yes. Um, but yeah, they're, they're settling down for the night. Um, I believe there's a little mention of their son, Anton, our main character. Yeah. We don't see him yet. Uh, and then they go to turn the lights off. And when they do, there is this weird glowing message put in like glow-in-the-dark paint on the ceiling. Yep. It says, I'm under your bed. Mm-hmm. So they freak out. Ah. And yeah, Fred Willard says, oh, it's Anton. You know, he's playing a prank on us. Mm-hmm. And they hear a noise outside, and the wife says, go check it out. Go check it out, Fred. <laughs> His name's Gary, but I'm calling him Fred. <laughs> so he goes, he disappears mm-hmm. off the check. He says it's probably just a cat or something. Yep. Uh, the mom's like hearing noises, laying in the bed, and then there is a literal cat scare mm-hmm. as their white cat bones jumps onto <laughs> the bed. I-, I love that for a, a white cat to call it bones. Yeah, it's a good name. And it's a pretty cat. It's a very pretty cat. Of course. We, we get more of it in the film. We do. <laughs> of course, this being the kind of movie it is, <laughs> you have a feeling it may not come to a happy end. But, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, but things escalate a little bit. Oh, right? yeah. We hear uh, the sound of like a struggle downstairs. Mm-hmm. Mrs. Tobias gets scared, and she decides that she's going to call the police. So she rushes to get the phone. And then things take a turn. Yep, yep. Uh, something grabs her from underneath the bed. She gets dragged under, and we see this big <laughs> blood splatter come out. And that's where they immediately set the tone on that R rating, because yeah. if it was PG-13, she would kind of just, you know, vanish under there, and then that would be it. Right. But they just, like, it like the bed, like, lifts off the ground for a second and, yeah. like, jumps, and then it just explodes blood in every direction. Right. Super cool. Uh, so then the next morning, Anton, their son, is waking up. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I love this because it really sets up his personality because it's like he wakes up, he's got headphones on, yeah, playing like, music. It's like plugged into a stereo. Yeah. And he wakes up and it's kind of like, oh, what? Takes the headphones off, puts a different pair on that's connected to his Walkman. Yes. <laughs> Plays the same song. And he's just like oblivious of everything in the house as he like drifts around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He keeps yelling to his mom, there's no milk, there's no dog food, not getting an answer. I, they, have a, they have a nice little dog too. Yes, it's a pretty boy. Um, so we get the impression, yes, he is the penultimate slacker. He mm-hmm. hops on the couch, starts smoking. He has his inhaler that he wears around his yes. neck. That's his pipe. Which is kind of clever, I guess. Very people, fun. People won't suspect it, you know. Um, and uh, 
we see a news report also briefly that there's been a rash of murders. Yes. And there's a, a curfew of 9 o'clock for everyone under 18. Mm-hmm. There's a spree of serial killings, and they're, they're very concerned about it. Um, but Anton doesn't really seem to care. He quickly turns the TV over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he's got a problem. He does have a problem. He is out of weed. The weed, man. Like you do. It, it goes so quick, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he makes a phone call. His friend says he's got some. And and he's like, come, come bring it to me. And the guy, his friend's like, no, no, you come over here. He's like, I'm comfortable. <laughs> and it's pretty funny because his friend is just across the street. Right, like we, literally we across the street. just see him literally crossing the street. Doesn't even go through the front door of the house. He just crawls through the basement window. Yes. And it's funny because he goes over in like his pajamas too. Like yeah. he's even dressed or yeah, anything. Yeah, he's like in his boxers and a t-shirt. He just wanders over there. So he's got two buddies over there. Mm-hmm. Peanub, is that correct? Yep. Peanub and Mick. Which Mick is played by Seth Green. The famous Seth Green. Legendary. And then Peanub is Eldon Henson, who I'm going to say is pretty underrated. Uh, what else has he been in? Do you know? Uh, he was in She's All That, I know. Um, I want to say he was in one of the Mighty Ducks. He's got one of those faces. Yeah. He's, he's right out um, of central casting. He's been in like some of the uh, Hunger Game films, but I've not watched those, mm. so... Uh, run him through like your letterbox or your IMDb. You'll see all kinds of stuff and be like, oh yeah, he's in that. Oh yeah, he's in that. It's, it's enjoyable in here. I, th- mm-hmm. I think it's fair to say that these two characters kind of steal the movie. Oh yeah, they run away with it. They are the comic relief. Mm-hmm. But they're also kind of the heart of the movie, I think. So anyway, even these guys who are sitting there smoking as well are giving <laughs> Anton a hard time. Yeah. Like, you're not doing anything with your life, dude. Yeah, and they bring up Molly. This is where we introduce uh, her character a little bit. We don't meet her yet. Uh, played by Jessica Alba. Yes, they see her uh, driving down the, the road on her moped or something. Mm-hmm. And we learn that Anton's always had a crush on her his entire life since he met her. But hasn't even like talked to her mm-hmm. or introduced himself to her. He just gets super nervous and just can't do it. And yeah, they kind of challenge him on it. And they're like, dude, just go over there and like talk to her for once. Yeah, Just say something, yeah. anything. Because she had, she had dropped a book on the road. Mm-hmm. Her lyric book, apparently. He knows yep. what this is. I guess he's been keeping tabs on her for a while. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, she uh, she plays the bass, and she, she writes her own songs. And I think we learned it a little later on, but he's been, like, peeking over her shoulder during class and, like, reading her lyrics. Yeah, yeah. So they're like, hey, this is perfect. Take the book over there to her. But you might want to put on pants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So he borrows some of Peanub's pants mm-hmm. and walks I, over. I love when he leaves too because they're doing the whole thing where they're trying to throw like cheese puffs. Yeah, they're doing a pretty good job too. <laughs> yeah. Which is them. a total setup for a joke later. He's catching them. So he goes over to her house. She's got some Halloween decorations up too. She's actually got a, um, a Beastel die cut, which, which I've got a reproduction oh. of over there on my refrigerator. Ooh, yeah, yeah, I see it. Yeah. Nice. I was like, oh, I got that. <laughs> <laughs> More uh, classic Halloween goodness. Yeah, absolutely. And she comes to the door looking rather attractive, mm-hmm. as Jessica Alba's want to do. As she tends to do, yeah. So he kind of freaks and yeah. just pushes the book toward her and runs off, which is probably what I would do, honestly. <laughs> do you relate to that moment? I relate to that moment <laughs> entirely. I never had the guts to talk to girls like that. Yeah, so then uh, he retreats to his home. In the wake of that. And um, he's just kind of hanging out at the house. And he starts to realize, like, you know, I haven't seen my parents in a while. I think he even mentions that to Mick, 
He does. He's he over says, there. I, didn't, I don't know where my parents He doesn't know anything about the killer being on the loose because <laughs> he just doesn't pay attention to anything. Yeah, and they mention um, that he iced some people at this like local restaurant. It's like a little like McDonald's-y type place. Yeah, it's like jungle. The jungle hut. Jungle hut, yeah. yeah. Oh, we get a little we get a little detour to Beaver, Utah. Mm. Where a woman yes. who's dressed as a nun is trying to track down the killer hand, I assume. Because mm-hmm. we know what the premise of the movie is. She's after some sort of a killer. Yep. And her target is behind bars, but his hand's all shriveled up. Mm-hmm. So she's like, well, I'm too late. Yeah, she says it's jumped. Yeah. Someone else. And it's funny because the second she leaves the police station, she just like rips the nun costume off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and this is Vivica A. Fox. She plays Debbie. She has this RV, and she's got the board you always see in these movies where they're, like, <laughs> yeah. they're tracking down the killers <laughs> and marking it on their map. She's and... very, um, I'm going to say Creighton Duke-esque. <laughs> yes. There's there been something in the 90s where like, we need a really badass like hunter character yeah. that's just in the mix on things. Yeah. Uh, and she realizes that the pattern is a somewhat sloppy pentagram. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's such a goofy scene, but I love it. Cause like she sees like a news report that mentions the killings that are where Anton is. Yes. And she puts it on the map and then it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah. And we get the like montage of like drawing the lines and stuff. Right. And then, Oh, it's a pentagram. So it's like, okay, where well, I know where I'm going next. We also meet, um, Another of Anton's neighbors, I think, at this early part, right? Because don't we see... Um... We see the cops. The cops harass him, who were seniors when he was a freshman. Oh, yes, they did. <laughs> I wanted to talk about that. Yeah, yeah. I don't recall the neighbor. Uh, God, I can't think of his name. Sorry. Mm, I've got this back up. Well, we also see um, Randy, played by Jack Noseworthy. He's got the awesome, like, big monster truck. Oh, the big Ford truck. Yeah. He's wearing Quiet Riot t-shirt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's implied he's like a little older than everybody else mm-hmm. in the neighborhood. He's already out of school. He's the cool guy. Um, he's the cool older dude that's dating high school girls. <laughs> kind of the vibe you get. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but he gets harassed by the cops. Yeah, because he goes to get some groceries. Because they're out of everything. Yeah, he actually steps up a little bit and goes to get some dog food and stuff. But they stop him, and they're hassling him. And yeah, they were like seniors, and he was a freshman, so they kind of know each other. But apparently they were savagely bullied by everyone in school, so... Yeah, they're overcompensating. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, they're trying to find a reason to like give him a ticket or anything. And yeah. so when they dig into the pants, they find a bag of weed. Well, empty. Emptied, but... They, they smell yeah. it. And like, oh, you've had weed. Yeah. So... Um, but since they can't do anything to him they throw it on the ground and write it up as littering yeah yeah and one of them is even looking at his inhaler and he doesn't know what it is and the other mm. guy's like that's an inhaler idiot <laughs> so his, his ruse worked yes perfectly um so he's back home and he's making a sandwich but neglecting the amount of blood that is on this big knife isn't this also when he um he tries to smoke the nutmeg yeah. Because that's a setup for when he goes to see Mick that we should talk yeah, about. They, yeah, they told him to try nutmeg and oregano. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if you mix it together. It's supposed to get you high. So he's uh, he cuts up the ticket to use that to like roll it up. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, it doesn't go well. No, apparently it's shit. Yeah. Yeah, so then he's making a sandwich. There's blood all over it. He takes a bite, and like, it tastes kind of weird. But then he sees the blood, starts freaking out. <laughs> 
And then here's Bones is kind of like chewing and gnawing on something <laughs> yeah. in the floor. Bones is playing with an eyeball. <laughs> which is, that is such, that is what a cat would do. Yeah. And then he like flips the fuck out. He's running around the house. He's like, oh my God, the killer's here. The killer's in the house. Yeah, he's calling his dog up with him. And the whole film, you've seen that there's these like two um, kind of like figure statue things they have set up in the living room. Yeah, they so, got like they got like jack o' lantern heads. Mm, it's kind of like a ma and pa sort of like, like farmer type yeah, thing. Yeah, farmer thing. Yeah. And he bumps into those and knocks them over. And it's his parents. The pumpkin smash and it's his dead parents. I'm not sure how they were standing up, <laughs> but maybe that's being pedantic. <laughs> um, he's trying to leave the house, but he sees there's a shadow outside the door. Gets scared. He runs up to hide in his parents' bed. The dog gets up there with him. Yeah. That's kind of funny. I love that too because he gets in the bed and the dog comes up there and he's like, oh, come here, come here, come here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like lifts the covers for him. Yeah. <laughs> and he's looking for the phone. He Then he sees the note up on the ceiling. Mm-hmm. Runs back downstairs. Yeah, that's when he hits the, his parents and discovers that they're dead too. So Anton goes outside. He's freaking out. He's puking. Uh, his stoner buds are out there. And this is kind of funny too, because he drags them in to see his dead parents, and they're just—they just see the TV. There's an O2 Life crew video yes. playing. And they're like, "Oh man, I haven't seen this forever." They just step past the bodies, yeah. and they start like rocking out to the video. And he's like, "No, my parents are dead." <laughs> yeah, they notice the parents are dead, and they kind of slowly seduce that maybe Anton did it. Yeah. Because one of them is holding a scrap of cloth, and and Mick picks it up, and it's like, look, a clue, <laughs> and it like matches the. Which is funny when you realize that he's later in the the one Scooby Doo movie. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, was mention, I the only one that watched that? Yeah, I think you were. <laughs> Not to mention Buffy when they were constantly yeah. looking for clues and called the Scoobies. Mm-hmm. So. Uh. <laughs> yeah, it's conveniently a chunk of Anton's gray shirt. Yes. So Mick goes to call 911. Yeah, and he's trying to be reassuring. He's like, hey, man, I'm just going to call 911 and yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get this sorted out. Um, there's no need to worry. And then Anton just viciously unplugs the phone. Yep, rips, rips it right the, the wall. cord right out of the wall. Yes. <laughs> and his hand seems to be acting of its own accord. Yeah, we're starting to go into Evil Dead 2 territory. Right, I was going to bring that up. Um, but he shoves a bottle... Yeah, well, it's head. funny because he backs him past the fridge, and then Mick opens the fridge. And he's like, hey, man, let's just be cool and talk about this. Have, like, a drink or something. And then he gets the bottle and then, like, immediately shatters it. Yeah. Yeah. Shoves it right into his head. And then he also quickly kills Peanub with a razor blade. He throws it. Which, that's great because he goes to run and he runs into the basement. And Anton's like, no, there's no exit down there. You're stuck in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> so then he's down there and he's like, just run past me. I, I, I don't want to hurt you. It's, right, it's yeah. my hand. And he's, he's like, trying to hold his hand back and everything. <laughs> and he's like, I'm afraid. He's like, just run past me. <laughs> Which he tries valiantly. But the hand um, grabs a buzzsaw and just hurls it perfectly. Yep, and it does that thing him. where Peanut stops. You, know, <laughs> you see the line of blood form, and his head just <laughs> falls off. But yeah, I, like I said before, I do appreciate that the fact that there is some gore here. Mm-hmm. And while there's nothing that's like... Actually, there is one gore effect I do want to talk about, which I either, I rather like. I believe we'll be getting to that. Okay. Yeah, it's not yet. Um, but I, I appreciate I appreciate it. Uh, now, we got to talk about the whole hand thing real quick. Sure. And the fact that this does... Like, if you're a horror fan, you, you've seen the big horror movies, you have seen Evil Dead 2, mm-hmm. and you have seen the ultimate evil hand and the ultimate 
evil hand actor, Bruce <laughs> yeah. Campbell, which pioneered I, it. Um, Seven is that his name? What's this? Devin Sawa. Devin Sawa. Devin Sawa. He's fine. He does a fine job here, mm-hmm. but there's just no comparison to Bruce. <laughs> you know, I'm seeing this, and I just keep thinking about how much better that segment mm-hmm. with Ash and his. Well, thinking that that's like a bit, right? It's like a comedy thing. It's supposed to be really funny, very much like a physical comedy thing that Raimi's leaning well, into. Well, isn't this? I mean, that's not like the focus. I don't think that's just a part of it. Maybe I don't know, but after seeing you know Bruce's pratfalls and everything, and like the flips he does, <laughs> the hands flipping him over, the 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 hand action and well, that sounded kind of dirty. Hand action, the hand action <laughs> and the acting. Well, just... you got to think about it too. Like in Evil Dead Two, he's by himself at that point. Sure, right? There's no one else to interact with or play off of. And maybe I'm just being that guy, but mm-hmm. I just I could not help but think about Evil Dead Two. Okay, granted, that's usually my that's my <laughs> default mode. I'm usually thinking about Evil Dead too, but uh, it just kept coming to me. I'm just like, you sir are no Bruce Campbell. I think it's merits lie elsewhere. Okay, all right. I just had to get that off my chest. Sure. No, that's 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 a fair uh, assessment. Yeah. I think. So kind of dejected, Anton's just on the couch at this point, trying to. He's killed his buds, or his hand has killed his. Yeah, buds. His buds are dead. His parents are dead. He doesn't even know what he's gonna do. And it's funny because he's trying to watch TV. Because, I mean, that's like sort of his default mode, right? Mm-hmm. But the hand keeps taking the remote and wants to put it on some random, like, horror channel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They even use that classic chiller yeah. intro with the hand that comes out of the grave and mm-hmm. stuff. And then Anton's trying to put it on cartoons. Yeah. And there's, like, this back and forth struggle. And the hand switches it to, like, Night of the Living Dead. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then Bones hops up. Mm-hmm. And the hand grabs bones. and I do like this, how the hand sits there for a minute, kind of like taps its fingers. Yeah. And then when the cat gets close, it just immediately lunges on him. Grabs it, yeah. And he tosses it out the window and it flies across the street. And for those of you who are upset by, you know, animal harm, this is, it's, it's so cartoonish. It's so cartoonish. You know? It's very it's minor. It's obviously a stuffed fake cat. You know, yeah. it's not, you can't take it that seriously. <laughs> I wasn't triggered. No. So he's like, holy shit. He runs across the street. He's trying to find his cat. In the bushes outside Molly's house. Yes. Now, the see, hand. now this scene, this is where I think like the comedy with the hand is good in a way that like, again, it's playing off the other characters more than it's yeah. like the physical comedy. And I'm, I, he does a good job. I'm not trying to deride him. I'm just saying I could not. So the hand kind of forces him up onto the porch and forces him to ring the doorbell. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And so Molly comes out. And yeah, she she wants to thank him for the for the diary. But he's being super weird. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's trying... got his hand shoved down in his pocket. No, and she doesn't seem that strained, uh, that um, phased by no. his struggles and stuff. Uh, and that's that's one of my complaints. We're about to go into one of my big complaints for this Uh-oh. movie. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So she doesn't seem phased by the fact that he's acting weird and struggling with his own hand. Uh, or the fact that he admits he got in a fight with his cat. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she invites him in. Yeah, and reluctantly, he goes along. Right. Uh, yeah, I don't buy this. You don't? I, I know it's a teen comedy. It's a teen comedy, man. I know she's you're the... not supposed to be overthinking things. She's the dream girl. But there's no fucking way <laughs> in any reality that Jessica Alba would be interested in this. He's got blood on him. <laughs> You know, he's... 
looks like he's been living on the street for a week. <laughs> His hands all weird. I don't buy it. No, maybe maybe no. she's always liked him. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I just don't buy it. So they're inside her house and they're in a room and the hand starts groping her. Yeah. Which she also apparently is into. <laughs> now again, if that's what you're into, cool. You know, mm. I'm I'm all for it. You like getting groped by a almost stranger. Awesome. You know, I get I mean, it. he's not a stranger though. I mean, they've lived across the street from one another. Yeah, but I think it's what most people would call <laughs> inappropriate behavior, especially in our day and age. Um, but she she's into it. She likes it. Mm-hmm. Um, we get a little bit of her backstory at this point too. What what little there is, because um, he kind of flubs up and mentions that he knows some of the lyrics from her book. Yeah, he even like sings a verse for her, and basically talks about like how cool he thinks that is, and sort of like wins favor with her mm-hmm. a little bit. At first, she's kind of like mad. Oh, you read my lyric book, but mm-hmm. then yeah, he and she sings finds her out praises. like how much praise and like no. devotion he has to it. Yeah, no. so they start making out. But her parents get home before things get too far. Oh, you're, you're, you're burying the lead to this, though. As they're making out, the hand starts trying to choke her and kill her. That's true. Which she also doesn't seem that bothered by. No. Other than when it, it kind of it hits a point and she's like, ooh, and kind of tries to move his hand. Now, again, I don't want to shame anyone's kink. I don't want to yuck anyone's young. Mm-hmm. But I just didn't buy this either, <laughs> you know? It's supposed to be funny, I think. It Especially because then after it just... happens once or twice, Anton's like, hey, hold on. Rips more of his shirt and then ties his yeah, hand up. He ties his hand up. And then up. she's like, oh, kinky. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I know you've got to, suspension of disbelief, you got to kind of check part of your brain door and stuff. But that's, and this is a me problem. Mm-hmm. I fully accept that. But I have such an issue with comedies where logic doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Unless it's like an airplane or, or a naked gun where it's obviously this hyper reality everyone's living in. I, I hate it when people act weird or strangely just for a laugh you know does that make any sense i understand okay i disagree but i understand because it just it's not funny to me i i can't buy that moment i Mm -hmm. can't buy the reality of the moment that should make that funny but you can buy the devil possessed hand yes that i can buy (laughs) I'm, i'm all into that okay Okay. I, I could buy a supernatural angle on something, mm-hmm. but when someone's supposed to be a normal person in a normal situation and they're not acting right or they're acting intentionally weird or mm-hmm. goofy or not it, like any sane person Is would, Molly normal? That's my question. <laughs> I don't think she is. <laughs> okay. Anyway, that's that's me. That's, that's one of my hangups. Um, but yeah, yeah. Her parents come home. She tells them that they have to pick this up later. And they kind of talk about going to the school dance, mm-hmm. which is another thing that the buddies had told him about that, like, the only thing you could do that night is go to the school dance because of the curfew. Right. And they kind of make plans to go together. Yeah. Good plan. What are you going to do at this point, Anton? Sure. Right. Especially when how cool this Halloween party turns <laughs> out to be at the school. Yeah. They spared uh, no expense. <laughs> I <did>. <laughs> um, I, before the time. M- being, movies lied to me when I was younger. There was no <laughs> high school like this. Uh, before the time being, he decides he's got to go home and kind of set things right. And he decides to bury his parents and his buddies in the backyard. Yep, as you do. Uh, at least step one to try to get a handle on the situation. Yeah, and he's kind of giving this heartfelt speech. But then Mick starts talking to him from beneath the ground. 
Yeah. And I love this too because he's like saying stuff and he's like, lean closer. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. he leans down, the hand just busts up out of the dirt. <laughs> right. Um, this is a great little like horror segment too of like where they're actually getting up and they look menacing and serious. Yeah. And then uh, Pinov's headless body knocks him out with a shovel. Right, right. And then I love it because it kind of fades back into him getting his consciousness back and he's on the couch and you hear Nick and Pinov just like talking to one another. Yeah, he wakes up and he's thinking it was a dream. And he, yeah. he comes in and he's like, I had the weirdest fucking dream. But yeah, he finds his dead friends in the living room hanging out. And I love how Mick explains this where he's like, yeah, you know, at first I was pretty pissed that you killed us. Yeah. But yeah. now I've had some time to think about it and we're cool. Yeah, we're cool. He said they saw a white light and heard uncool music like Inya. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great reference. That was a good line. Yeah. I'll throw an Inya song in the show notes in case nice. anyone's ever heard of them. Nice. Um, and they're like, <laughs> they're like, fuck it, it's too far. Yeah, they go. It's just like really far, way too far. So we just came back. So they decided not to go. So I guess if you don't go into the light, you can come back as an undead. But yeah, Seth Green's got the bottle in the head. Great look, amazing look, just and, so good. And Peanut is headless. His detached head is laying on the chair. <laughs> yes. And they're doing the whole Cheeto cheesy poof thing. He's trying to throw it into his mouth. And I love it because at one point it kind of pans and you can see into the kitchen and the headless body is just like waving around bags yeah, of chips like and stuff. Yeah, trying to get chips, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I must take issue with the makeup on Seth Green though. You think I, so? I, I don't like the bottle on the head. Oh, I love that look. Application. It's too, there's too much flesh. Mm. You don't have that much skin on your fucking head, man. It, to me, it looks a little too cartoonish. Mm. I get they didn't want to make it like super ghoulish and realistic. Yeah. But it was a little too goofy for me. Minor quibble. Oh, I found I found it distracting. It's such a setup for a great joke later though. Uh well the bottle in the head I don't mind. <laughs> it's just the makeup. The application itself irritates me. Mm. And again, that is me being me. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they're kind of trying to just sort things out a little bit, but those cops show back up. Asshole cops. And they're ready, ready to uh, get a little revenge in on Anton. Yeah, they said there's a noise complaint because they were watching uh, Dragula, the yeah. video Dragula too loud, <laughs> I guess. Which is how else are you supposed to watch that fucking video? Right. That's, that's how you watch it. Oh, and before this, though, he had talked to Randy. They told him to mm. go talk to Randy because he's in the metal, so he must know about evil devil stuff. And... Randy tells him about how the uh, idle hands become the devil's playthings. Yeah. Right. Which is funny because he's like, you know about all that devil stuff, right? And he's just like, what? No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which I, we need to actually, I forgot about this scene for a second and we need to go back into it. So they're having a memorial at the jungle hut for the people that died. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason Randy's there is to try to pick up a chick, a high schooler, a, a grieving chick, a grieving chick. Yeah. And, um, that's why he's there in the first place. Yeah. And it's funny because he leans in, he's like talking to her, and he's like, "Did you know them very well?" And she's like, "No, not really." Yeah. And then the story she tells is ridiculous. She's like, "I felt really bad because one time they asked me out on a double date, and there's two of them, and there's one of me." <laughs> yeah, there were twins that were killed. That's right. Yeah, and she says, "So I told them to go blow themselves," and then Randy <laughs> goes, "Oh, that's awful. Did they? Yeah, did they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah." But yeah, so he's uh, he's about to lure her back to the to the Ford. And that's when Anton shows up being jittery with his hand in his pocket. Yeah. And he's like, oh, what are you doing? Playing a little two ball there, buddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he's pissed off because the girl's gone. Yeah. He doesn't have anything to do with, with Anton. So then Anton decides to dress up like a fast food worker, go to the back. Um, which... Cause all this chaos. There's some fun 
uh, punk-related cameos later, but there's one actually here, too. The person at the window that Anton shoves away is actually Tom DeLonge from Blink-182. Okay, yeah. He, you see him for a second. But... Yeah. He did look kind of distinctive. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the when, when Randy comes around in his big-ass truck, that's when Anton gets them to tell him about the whole idle hands becoming yep. the devil's plate. And he says that's why he works on the Ford. It keeps him out of trouble. Keeps him busy, yeah. So he, Anton just needs to find something to occupy his hands. And in doing so, it should stop everything. Yep, yep. And then I love when he drives off because he drives through the memorial and just fucking writes <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> dude, so, dude gives no shits. So I guess they're saying that the only reason why his hand is possessed is because he is such a slacker. Mm-hmm. He's such a stoner, he does nothing. And I guess that opened up a gateway for the devil to take possession of his hand. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, a, talk, it's a very literal interpretation. <laughs> I'll talk about this a little more, but um, we got to get a little further. So, okay. All right. Um, so that's when the cops show up that night. Because mm-hmm. we see him there. He's knitting. He's knitting, Which yeah. is a pretty funny gag. Which they talk about, too. They're like, man, you look weird knitting. Yeah, because the guy's just <laughs> looking at him. He's, just, he's knitting away. It's like, this is working. Uh, yeah, I wanted to talk about... Um, there's a review on Letterboxd. It's like the first review if you go look on there now. I don't normally just read a review off Letterboxd, but I love this one. So it's just... There's a scene in this that's just the main characters getting high on a couch while watching the music video for Dragula by Rob Zombie. And I think I said literally me so many times I combusted. <laughs> yep. It's just one of those scenes, man, that's just like so great. Because they're, they're playing the video, they're having a good time. Uh-huh. It's just ridiculous. But yeah, yeah the cops show up for a noise complaint. And they're, they're eager to get a bit, a bit more trouble for Anton. Yep. Um, so they give him a hard time, and they see his dead friends. One of them like gets scared and shoots his gun, and yeah. it shoots a hole through Peanut's head. <laughs> and he's like, "Ow, you know, fascist or whatever." It's <laughs> a big Lebowski line, but something similar to that. Um, so they're like, "Oh God, he's got dead people here." Yeah. So they're like, "You know, get up, Anton. We're going to arrest you." And he's like, "Yeah, that's a great idea. Arrest me. I can't kill anybody if I'm in jail." I love it because Mix is like, "Dude, just kill these guys. <laughs> yeah, 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 just kill them." But yeah, he wants them to arrest him. He's like, "If you cuff me and put me in a cell, I can't hurt anyone." Yeah. We can maybe figure this out at some point. But he won't stop knitting. Right. And they're like, "Put down the needles." He's like, "I really can't. You know, I need to keep doing this." And he tells, him, "Just cuff me. Just cuff me." Yeah. So there's back and forth, back and forth. But then he plunges one of the needles into the dude's ear, comes out the other one. Uh, the other guy, he grabs his taser. Mm-hmm. Well, the hand grabs the taser, obviously. And uh, shoots him in the face. Yeah, shoots him in the fucking face. And I don't know what kind of tasers these are, but it basically <laughs> melts his face. Yes. And then it's funny because his friends are just like, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, Peanut says a line here that's, uh, he says, go, go, buffalo. Yeah. And that's a reference to a scene they didn't keep in the film. Okay. Where there was a little more backstory about these two cops, and they apparently, and when they were in school, they played the school mascot, which was a buffalo, and it was like a two-part suit oh. where you needed two people, and so they would come out for like the games and the sport events and stuff and parade around. Yeah, I was wondering if this was a reference there I didn't yeah. get. Okay, there's actually several like interesting deleted bits on this film. Mm. Yeah, I saw some of that. All right, so Anton looking at his carnage, he's like, "Okay, I know what I got to do." There's only one solution. I got to cut this hand off. Much like Ash uh-huh. decided he needed to do. But Anton does not have a chainsaw. Yeah. I love that the first thing he gets is like a thing to slice bagels. <laughs> it's like a bagel. Yeah, it's a and, bagel. And his buddies are like, man, that won't even cut my bagel. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? And it just bends. won't cut through his hand. And then, uh, oh, the Seth Green gets a good bit in where they, they get like a turkey carver, electric turkey carver. 
and he's like laughing about the. I mean, they're they're stoned out of their minds, right? Right. Too. So he's like, "Look at me, I'm Leatherface," <laughs> and runs out of cord and unplugs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and he's trying to use the uh, he's trying to use a meat cleaver, but his hand keeps moving on him. There's also a funny thing where they're they're kind of talking to him about the logistics of this. And they're like, "Well, what if you do this?" And then your left hand gets possessed, and he's like, no, the left hand's good, you know? I use it for everything, changing the channels, jerking off, you know? Just... Now, you would think the left hand would be the evil one. Right, that's usually the... Sinister. ...thing, right, yeah. yeah. The left hand path. But, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but he does finally manage to get it cut off. Well, he gets peened up to bite down on the hand. Yeah. To hold it in place. Yeah. And he cuts it off. And Peanut spits it out. And Devin Sawa gives like an epic scream here. That's a good scream. It goes high pitched. That's a good scream. And they, they even mock him for it later. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's having a bad time. Mick kind of takes charge of the situation though. And uh, he cauterizes the wound with an iron. And I love his grin too. He's, he's just so happy about the situation. And then he's like, hey, you know what? In my house, I've got a first aid kit. We're going to go get that. We're going to patch you up. Yeah. You're going to be fine. Yeah, it's going to get infected. You need like bandages and shit. Mm-hmm. And, and Peanut's like, ooh, and we can get some um, some food while we're there, too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they're wanting burritos, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, instant burritos. Uh, so Molly shows up at this point. Mm-hmm. She's ready to go to the dance. She's dressed like an angel. Mm-hmm. Very cute. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about how he's going to meet her there. He's, like, trying to hide his hand from her at this point. Yeah, he says his costume's not ready. They're yeah. working on it. Yeah. So he's just going to meet her there. He tells her, just go to the dance, go straight to the dance. Yeah. I'll meet you there later. Yeah. And then we get a scene where Randy meets Debbie. Yes. She rocks up at the bowling alley. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just trying to get some information about what's going on in the town. Right. And Randy's there just kind of killing time, I guess, looking to pick up chicks still. Yeah, man. <laughs> Which I love that he gives this awesome, like build up to doing some bowling and then he only hits like one pin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's got a couple of friends who are like making out there too. Yeah, which are still high schoolers. And they they just they decide that they need to go on because they gotta get to the party. Yeah, he's like, hey, aren't you guys supposed to be at the school dance? Yeah. Uh <laughs> there always was that one guy, wasn't there? Yeah. That older dude who's still hanging out with teenagers. Oh dude. Where I grew up it was terrible with that. Yeah. Well I had a friend. There were there would be good. phases where it's like every girl that was in your grade was dating some dude who's out of high school. Yeah, yeah. Just by a year or two. It's so frustrating. It's like what the fuck's going it on? It's so annoying. <laughs> <laughs> um But yeah, the second he sees Debbie, he's just like, Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Who's this? And she like immediately just kinda of gives her spiel. Mm-hmm. She's like, I'm a priestess, I'm a priestess. Well she tells him that it, uh, her deal is kinda of crazy. Yeah. And he's like, I like crazy. Yeah, I like crazy. Yeah, he's into it. <laughs> And it's like, it's her job to hunt this thing down. Yeah, she's a druidic priestess from this long line. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. there's this ancient curse where the, the the devil finds like the laziest person in the world, possesses their hand, yeah. uses it to go on a killing spree, and then transfers to another person right. to keep going. And he's like, hey, that sounds like Anton. He was asking about that shit. <laughs> and she's like, tell me about Anton. And yeah, so they kind of make a pact to team up together and uh, track down Anton and stop the hand. Yes. Little do they know, it's already been separated. <laughs> Which um, Anton quickly goes back home to find out that the hand is still active. There's yeah. a bit of a struggle there, but he manages to throw it in the microwave, trap it in there, and bakes it. He nukes it. Yeah, there's blood pouring out. Nice little scene. Fairly gnarly. 
And at this point, I guess we can mention that the hand is played by... Oh, this, yeah. The same guy who, who played the thing. Not the thing, but thing. Uh, Christopher Hart. Yes, in Adam's family. Mm-hmm. He's a magician, so he's got... He's got a nice hand. Yeah, he's got good hands. <laughs> I even saw this like uh, interview with him where he was talking about how he had a different personality. He didn't want it to be just like Thing. You mm-hmm. know, it had to act differently. So Ooh. he was he was describing how Thing acts and how this evil hand acts. <laughs> Which is very, like, jerky and almost, like, insect-like at yeah. times. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> so then the friends return, and they're trying to nuke their burritos. Yeah. They open the microwave, and it's all nasty. <laughs> they're like, ooh, what happened here? Oh, but also Mick fixes up Peanut real quick. Yeah. Because he's it, tired of his head just being separated. He's like, this is getting on my nerves. I can probably fix this. He gets like this barbecue fork, sticks it up <laughs> the neck of the head, and then sticks the handle into the body and gets it all situated. Mm-hmm. Tapes him up. A so little, then, bit, little bit of duct tape fixes everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they want to nuke their burritos, and Peanut's like, man, this microwave's gross. It's nasty. Should we clean it first? And then Mick's like, uh, yeah, dude, just clean the whole house. <laughs> no. They just throw the burrito in there and nuke it. But the hand, like, shoots out of there when they open it, and they're like, what the hell? Yeah, what was that? <laughs> yeah. So when Anton comes back in, he's like, where's the hand? Like, I don't know. Um, but the hand was nice enough to leave a little message and some blood. It says, she's mine. Mm-hmm. And they realize they got to get to the dance to save Molly. Indeed. And um, they don't have a vehicle because they're all high schoolers. And so they decide to jack and, Randy's truck. And stoners who don't have a job yeah. or anything. Yeah. So, so they take the Ford because conveniently the keys are... In the visor. In the visor. <laughs> where you keep them. <laughs> and they set off right about the time that Debbie's RV rolls up. That's right, yeah. Yeah, and Randy's freaking out. Mm-hmm. Not the Ford! <laughs> Which I love that his uh, CD player is like stuck on Shout at the Devil. Yeah, yeah. It's all Shout at the Devil. Because <laughs> it plays it early on when we first see Randy yeah. uh, watching it. But then when they get in it, it's in the CD player too. That's it. It's just, <laughs> it's just on a repeat. Um, and then I think this now is where we get our um, nudity included, right? Yeah, yeah just, it's R-rated horror film. Gratuitous boobage. Yeah. Uh, it's Randy's two friends. They're at the dance now, but they're in the parking lot making out in the car. As you do. Dressed as Kiss. Yep. One is kiss. Uh, the chick's getting a little mad because her uh, makeup's starting to run. Yeah. So she asks him to roll the window down. Big mistake. And the hand just kind of crawls in. Yep. But yeah, she gets her shirt off, so he's doing his thing, you know. And the hand crawls in and joins in. She sees it, freaks out, and the hand starts choking her. And but breaks her neck pretty quickly. So the dude's like, oh shit, tries to get out, but it grabs him too. And we don't really see what he does to him. We just see like an explosion of blood again. Yeah, I guess he's like squeezing really tight. Mm. I don't know. Maybe Molly would be into that. Maybe she should have, you know, hooked <laughs> got, up got, with his hand. Got with the hand. Yeah. <laughs> so the friends, they get to the dance. And Anton starts looking around for the, the school for the hand because it yep. could be anywhere. He says, I'm going to look for the hand. You guys go into the dance and find Molly. Yeah, find Molly, protect, protect her. Protect her. Yeah. Easy job. Yep. Or it should be. Should be. <laughs> should be. Uh, Which I love. They find the remains of the two people in the car. That's right. And they even comment about it a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so they split up. Mick and Peanut go into the dance. Um, And then Peanut's immediately like, oh, I'm going to try to hook up with a chick. Yeah, and that girl we saw from before that Randy was trying to pick up. 
That is the same girl, isn't it? No, I think it's someone else. Is it a different girl? Yeah, this is uh, Tanya. She's Molly's friend. Okay, I thought it was a different girl. She's cute. She's a little little devil. Playing a devil, yeah. So we got the angel and the devil. And for some reason, she's attracted to Peanut. She mm-hmm. says his costume is cool. Mm-hmm. And there's a little bit of setup with the two of them, too, at the dance before everyone gets there, where she's kind of worried whether Anton's going to come or not. And see, this is where I got the vibe that she maybe was always into him because of the way Tanya acts about it. The way she acts toward Molly, it kind of implied to me that like they had always kind of had this... I guess, I just don't see why. ...thing between them. Because Molly is, and we'll talk more about this later, Molly is very much represented as like the dream girl. Mm-hmm. You know, she is like the unattainable, like the perfect... Mm-hmm. But I also don't think she's like the popular girl or anything. That's not the vibe you get at the school. Yeah, but it would be impossible for her not to be. Because she's so <laughs> gorgeous and perfect. You know, she's not like a weirdo. She's not like gothy or anything. Uh, she's beautiful and mm-hmm. seems more or less normal in quotation marks. So I don't know why she wouldn't be popular. Okay. Well, we'll mull on that for a bit. Um, okay. Again, this place is lavishly decorated. Oh, and by the way, they have the band The Offspring on stage performing. Because what high school doesn't <laughs> have The Offspring to come play? And they're playing I Want to Be Sedated yep. by Doing their Ramones. best for Bones cover. Yep, yep. And it's fun. It's great. Yeah, it's one of those big, only in the movies, mm-hmm. high school party. And I love it because um, Tanya asks Peanut to dance. And he starts like holding his head down as he's moving. <laughs> and she's like, I love your costume. Your makeup's so good. And he's like, oh, it's... it's uh, it's not hanging together well. You gotta be careful. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, the principal's having phone sex. Yes, which is ridiculous. And the hand gets a kill. He crawls up his pants, and the dude's like, "Wow, it's like I can really feel your hands on me." But wait, I really do feel your hands on me. <laughs> but I love the start of it because he's arguing. It sounds like he's on the phone arguing about his credit card being declined. <laughs> Right, like he's talking yeah. like a business or something. <laughs> I guess it is a business. But... And, and he's like, oh, no, you got the numbers wrong. It's this. And yeah. they're like, all right, we're good now? Okay, we're good. What are you wearing? <laughs> so then the hand busts out of his pants and kills him. And this is where the hand kind of powers up because we get a shot of it. <laughs> I really like this Running part. its fingers into a pencil sharpener. It's one of those electric pencil sharpeners, yeah. yeah. And he's filing it down to like razor sharp bone. And there's good hand acting here. I like the way that he's like, Yeah, he seems very proud of his work here. <laughs> um, Anton fails to find the hand, but he runs into Debbie and Randy. Yeah. And that's where things escalate because Debbie just immediately tries to kill him. Yeah, she's kicking his ass and Randy's like, yeah, get him. <laughs> uh, but, but then to... she brings out a dagger and he's like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, but to his credit, Randy's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, let's not kill him. <laughs> um, but Anton quickly is like, no, you don't have to kill me. I cut the hand off. Yeah, she's like, you dumbass. What'd you do that for? And we, we get our last little drop of the lore that that's the worst thing to do. Yeah. Because now that the hand is free, it's going to find an innocent soul and drag them down to the netherworld. But it has to do it before midnight for some reason. Yeah, it's, it's your typical, like, yeah, it's midnight, curse satanic whatever. thing. Yeah. Uh, it's Halloween night, so, you know. Sure. Why not? The veils are thin. Um, but then Anton connects the dots. Obviously, that's Molly, because he already knows the hand is coming for her. Mm-hmm. So they decide they got to crash the dance and try to warn everybody about the hand. Right. And I love this because he charges up on the stage. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I cut my hand off. It's here. It's going to try to kill you. Yeah. And everyone's like <laughs> laughing. What? And they even throw in the mic doing the like. <laughs> right, 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 right. And then uh, front man of the offspring, Dexter Holland, is like, all right, kid, you had your fun. Out yeah, of the way. Get out of here. Get out of here. And the hand fucking drops on him and scalps him. And this is my favorite effect. It's gnarly, it's, dude. It's a practical effect. Yeah. It's great. And it, the hand just drops down. And <laughs> you even see, like, his eyebrows raise and everything. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's surprised. 
And yeah, it just pulls back his scalp. It looks really good. It's a really good application. And to be uh, musicians that aren't really actors, and I know they're not in this much, I thought they played very well. They did great, yeah. yeah. They got a lot of charisma, mm-hmm. you know. And they're actually a good band, so yeah. I appreciate that. It could, this could have been any number of bad bands. <laughs> um, but it sends the dance into chaos. Everyone gets kind of separated as they're trying to escape because the hand has barred a lot of the exits. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, Anton's just trying to get the hand and actually stop it. And in the chaos, Molly and Tanya decide to climb through one of the conveniently human-sized vents. <laughs> I mean, you can go two, two abreast in this yeah, thing. You it's know? huge. Which, I mean, if you can afford the offspring, I guess, yeah, your school's going to be pretty stacked. You can afford the big air ducts. <laughs> yep, so they're crawling through, and they get to a spot with a fan. It's running full blast. Yeah, and Tanya kind of loses hope because she she doesn't know how they're going to get down through there. Uh, but Molly's resourceful, mm-hmm. and she kind of takes one of Tanya's shoes and uses it to like jam it, sure, hold it so they can knock out the grate. And they take was it the part of her costume? Part of course, she had like a rope or something, yeah. like a whip kind of yeah. thing, and they rig that up to kind of lower themselves down and get out. Yeah, Molly tries it first just in case something mm-hmm. goes wrong, mm-hmm. which is nice. And then she's like going to try to usher Tanya down, but Tanya's scared and she's afraid. Yep. And it's a great scene because we're in the hall with Molly, and then we see the rope just slowly start to slide back up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she's like, Tanya, what's going on? Why'd yeah. you pull the rope up? It's like, I didn't. So the hand's raising the rope, obviously, and it starts to choke her, puts the rope around her neck, mm-hmm. tosses her out, and she falls. Yep. And you think, oh, she's hanged now. She's going to die that way, break her neck or whatever. <laughs> no, then the fan starts going again, and the hand pulls up the rope, and she gets... I wish we saw this. Yeah. I'm a little bummed we didn't get to see this. And petrified Molly screams and runs off. And then, meanwhile, Mick and Peanut have like found their way to those ducks because they realize they're in there. Yeah. So they're trying to get to them. They get to the fan. Blood everywhere. And, and this is where we get the... Um, the beer bottle thing because they reach a spot where it gets stuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's stuck in his head. <laughs> and it's funny because they're like, oh, this is a problem. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's funny too because Peanut's talking about how he's going to have sex with Tanya. <laughs> right. And Mick's like, dude, that's that's gross though. Don't you see how that's a problem? Yeah. And he's like, nah, she's into me. But they see the mess and then they're leaving. <laughs> and, and, and Mick says, you can go back if you get a piece if you want. <laughs> yeah, they say, let's go back. I don't want to go through all that Tanya. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That was a good joke. I like that part. Uh, at this point, I'm pretty sure the hand just teleports. It's going full, like, uh, slasher movie villain yeah, at this point. Yeah, it goes yeah. everywhere and anywhere at once. Because uh, Anton encounters it in the room with a bunch of hand puppets. Yeah. And I love it because there's the one puppet and it, like, turns and yeah. its eyes move. Right. <laughs> I'm not exactly sure whether all these hand puppets are in here, but, you know, whatever. Arts and maybe crafts. It was, maybe it was part of a play mm-hmm. they were putting on. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, he's fighting the hand puppets. Um, the friends drop a grate that lands on Anton's head, and the hand gets away. Yes. And then meanwhile, Molly finds her way into the art room, and the hand jumps her and knocks her out. Yeah. yeah like throws a vase on her head or something mm-hmm. like that. So then we get to the shop class, I suppose. Yes, this is the big big climax of the film. They've got like a car in there and a whole lift and everything. Yep, the old auto shop. This high school does have a lot of money. Yeah, um, and this is where I want to say there is an alternate ending to this film. Yeah. And we'll talk about it in a minute. I was going to talk about that. Here is where it kind of diverges. So right. just put a pin in this spot in the film. 
So Molly is strapped to the top of a car, mm-hmm. and the hand, which is still inside a puppet. Yeah, it's a really goofy-looking puppet. Yeah, big too, eyes and everything. Very emotive. It's at the controls, and he's raising the car, and yeah. there's like a pentagram inscribed on the wall, and he's, he's going to smush her against smash it. Smash her up against it, yeah. So heroically, Anton runs in and tries to get back control of that and stop it, but the hand has like a death grip on this thing, yeah, and it will not let go. And it's even when Mick and Peanut join in... Like, they can't even move it an inch. It's too powerful. Yep. So what are you going to do? Well, first Anton tries to just, like, pull her free, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which rips off half her clothing. Right. So now <laughs> she's basically in her underwear. And yeah, so they're struggling. They can't do anything. And then his buddies notice something in the background. Mm-hmm. And they uncover, as they state, Mighty Joe Bond. <laughs> <laughs> and it's this gigantic, like, arc-welded... It's like a big carburetor or something. Yeah. (laughs) That has been made into a huge bong. Um, I think Peanut even calls it their spinach or something, you know? Yeah. He says, I need me, I needs me spinach. spinach. (laughs) So they pack it and smoke it. And Anton runs over and takes a big old fucking, they they tell him to do it for strength. And they kind of set this up earlier. We didn't talk about this, which you should circle back to, but after the hand gets loose, Anton has like a meltdown. And his buddies tell him, like, dude, you just need to sit down on the couch, smoke some weed, and take a little Anton time. Because you're way too stressed right now, and you're just not helping anyone. (laughs) Right. And he kind of loses it on them, and he's like, you know, I'm sick of just sitting around all the time. I'm sick of being lazy. He throws away his inhaler Mm -hmm. and everything. He says, I'm just, like, being stoned all the time and goofing off, and I caused this problem, and I have to go and try to fix it. He has an arc. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, he goes over there and yeah, starts sucking it, on It seems thing. like he's backsliding. Yeah. And then Molly's even like, I'm about to die and you're going to get high with your friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's got a plan. He's got a plan. He yeah. goes to the puppet and he lifts it up and just shotguns the, the weed smoke into it. Mm-hmm. And we get a really goofy joke <laughs> where the puppet's eyes just sort of roll over and it's like all red. and Bloodshot. Bloodshot. And it, it, the hand falls out and collapses to the floor. And the puppet gets, like, wedged in the lever. Yes. But it stops it. It does. Right at, like, the last possible second. I love it because it's a car that's got one of the big antennas, and you get to see the antenna start to fold up. Yeah, it breaks. Yeah. It's sort of like the trash compactor scene in Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. Where that one pole starts folding, and (laughs) you're like, oh, shit! (laughs) It really sets the tension of that moment really well. Yeah, it works. (laughs) So then Debbie and Randy come rushing in, and the hand... Is flying across the room and it lands on Mick. Mm-hmm. Debbie throws a dagger, hits the hands. <laughs> and of course, it impels Mick too, but he's dead. He's not feeling it. Mm-hmm. It's like whoa, and then you just see a sort of poof and a puff of smoke. It's funny because the hand like shutters and you see yeah. the light building up, and you're like, oh shit, what's it's about to gonna happen? Going to be this big moment, yeah. And then it just poofs. Puff. Yeah, and Mick's like, that's it. That's it. <laughs> hey, I love it because he goes. I mean, I'm glad everyone's all right, but <laughs> that's disappointing. <I> <laughs> There's no like portal to hell and demons screaming and yeah, that was that was the cut scene. <laughs> yeah, that's a reference to the scene that they cut out. Uh, um, so Anton and Molly are making out. Yep, unwisely still beneath the lift. And Debbie says that now that they've destroyed the hand, it's time for the ritualistic sex. <laughs> right. Asks if Randy's up for it, and he's like, "You know I am. Let's go, baby." Mm-hmm. They but, go off to their happy ending. Uh, but Peanut with the mighty Joe Bong hits the controls of the lift and it falls right onto Anton. Yep. And crushes him. Yes. 
which it's a part of a joke too they have going on too where peanut says that he made the the bong right right and he's like dude you didn't do this people in shop class made it <laughs> no i arc welded it and everything <laughs> i like arc welded and shit <laughs> But it's okay because Anton is still alive. Yeah, well, they do a neat thing too, where it's like he's crushed, and then the the garage door to the shop opens up. Oh yeah, and it's the white light the and white the heavenly light, yeah. voices. Yeah, and so they start walking through it. They make sure to take the bong with them. They take the bong with them, and they kind of turn back and they're like, "Hey, Anton, are you coming with us? Yeah, you coming with us?" Right. And then it sort of like fades to him in the hospital. Yeah, and he's like in a full body cast, mm-hmm. but getting some kissings from Molly, mm-hmm. and she's very impressed that he chose to blow off heaven so he could stay with her. Well, I mean, yeah, that's, that's a no-brainer. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then she wanders off, and we're given a little bit of Sublime kicking in mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as uh, the now angelic versions of Mick and Peanut show up. Yep. And they, they got little wings. Yep, little wings. They're all ethereal, and they reveal that for their good deeds and helping him, they've become his guardian angels. Yeah, yeah. And they're going to look after him and as he lives out the rest of his life with Molly. Yep. So they leave him to get some rest. But on the ceiling above, <laughs> Anton sees I'm under your bed mm-hmm. and screams. But the buds are walking off and they're like, uh, should we tell them that we're the ones who put that on there? <laughs> and they're like, man, he really does scream like a girl. <laughs> and I love their final thing is they're like, hey, let's go see if we can walk through a nurse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The end. The end. Nice little coda. Yes. Goofity end to a funny movie. All right. We refer to some cut scenes or deleted reshot scenes, that sort of thing. Yeah, let me... Apparently, this movie um, didn't test well. It did not, no. They got a lot of notes from, I guess, the 14-year-olds I mentioned before. (laughs) Some of which, I think, uh, some of their suggestions were that Molly should get her top ripped off at some point. Which they do. Well, her top didn't Mm -hmm. get ripped off. They they compromised, Mm because I'm pretty sure Jessica Alba did not want to get nude. Which is fair. Yeah, I mean, I don't blame her. It's fine. It's fine if you do. It's fine if you don't. Uh, I prefer they do, but I mean, you know, that's just me. <laughs> well, I mean, that's why I threw in the uh, the throwaway chick, right? Dies, right, which I appreciated. She's very attractive. Um, but yeah, so the original final act was this very elaborate scene at the swimming pool because, of course, also they have a giant pool at the school. Um, but it, there's this awesome thing where these like hands burst through the wall, very like. Yeah, it's almost like something out of Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, very Nightmare on Elm Street, and they're like grabbing them, and then this big like portal to hell opens up in the pool. Yeah. And Molly is up on the diving board, and she's backed up by the hand, and it's trying to push her back and like shove her down into hell. Right. And it's this big final moment where Anton like rushes up there and gets up there with the hand, has like a final confrontation, and is trying to pull Molly back up and manages to save her and cast the hand down into hell. Um, you can actually watch like a kind of put together version of it because they yeah. shot the whole thing. Right. They just never fully finished all the effects yeah. and there's no score for it. So they kind of like pull just some audio cues mm-hmm. from other parts of the film. Uh, it's extra on the DVD. They carried it forward to the Blu-ray now. So you can see this if you want. And yeah, it's much more of the like horror element mm-hmm. and just like zero comedy at this point. Had they kept that in, I would have agreed with you about it being a horror movie first. Because mm-hmm. that would have tipped the scales for me. Because it's kind of an impressive scene from what you can what you can see. It's very well done. Yeah. Uh, but it is very like a tonal shift at that point. Mm-hmm. Which is probably why the scene that they reshot at the end is much smaller mm-hmm. scale. Yeah. <laughs> they blew all their money, so... <laughs> uh, it actually delayed the film by several months, too, because after the testing, they had a discussion about it, and they requested, like, hey, can we get a little more money and time to go back and mm-hmm. like make a new ending? Because another one of the audience suggestions was that weed should save the day. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> so they put that in. <laughs> um, so I have a quote from Seth Green. This is from an interview he did back in like 2007. Mm. They asked him like basically about the film in general. And I wanted to read it because I felt like it encapsulated a lot of, uh, of stuff about this movie. Uh-huh. So he said, um, the best thing about that movie was that everybody working on it had a different mission statement. We all thought we were making a different movie. Me and the boys, the other actors, Devin and Eldon, we were convinced we were making a high drama with some comedic elements. And we tried to make our relationship as lifelong best friends believable. We hung out a lot of time and really tried to build a relationship between us. The director, Robin Flinder, was attempting to make a throwback Italian horror film like a Dario Argento flick. Which I want to follow up on that because I don't think that's totally wayward. Um, He goes on to say, the writers really wanted this to be the next Heathers. And the studio was listening to the test marketing and saying that, well, really the zombies need to be a little cuter than what they look like originally. There needs to be more wacky antics. And apparently all the kids in the audience thought that there should be more pot smoking and that pot should save the day, which is what you were talking about. Mm-hmm. And that somehow Jessica Alba needs her top ripped off. And so in the end, when you take all that together, that's how that whole new ending got shot, where she's on the car lift and her midsection gets ripped off. And wouldn't you know it, pot saves the day. Like we build a giant bong out of a carburetor and that's our victory. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good example of how studios just maybe listen a little too much mm-hmm. to that audience feedback. So the Dario Argento riff, we didn't really talk about it as we were going through the plot. There's a lot of color in this film and very stark, especially the greens. Yeah. Um, yeah I appreciated that. I thought it was really cool. Mm-hmm. It's a great look. It's a great style that like, when I think about this film, I think of that look and like everything's cast in this weird green light or like a very stark, like bluish or purple. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes it have a very iconic feel to it. That's like its own little, like I don't associate that feeling to any other film. Cause it was like the look that it had. Okay. All right. And yeah. now I don't think it's as effective as Dario Argento. No, but it is like, it's someone that looked at that and said like, wow, I want to try to do something like that too. The movie does try to have a bit of atmosphere mm-hmm. that way. And I, I appreciate that because especially in the nineties, everything was shot so fucking flat. Mm-hmm. Even, the beloved Scream movie, it is so flat and overlit, it bugs the piss out of me. It is overlit, I'll give you that. I have lots of praise for Scream, but that is true. It always bugged me. Always bugged me. Yeah, and I feel like with this film, like they really set like a color palette and like a tone to it. Yeah, yeah. It, it does look Halloween-y. Mm-hmm. You know? So it's, that's a good, it makes a good choice for our segment here. Oh, yeah. I got some more background notes. Do it. Uh, let's see. Um... The character who played, or the person that played Randy, Jack Noseworthy, and then Katie Wright, who played Tanya, they're actually half-siblings, and they didn't know it until they started working on this movie. That's weird. That's a funny connection. Yeah. Um, they weren't dating or anything, were they? I don't think so. <laughs> I'm not going to assume that the, the actor is anything like Randy, so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm disappointed now. Well, um, actually, I read that he was openly gay, so. Oh. Yeah. Hey, cool. Yeah. So they probably weren't dating. I mean, <laughs> do what thou wilt, you know, as well, Alistair, no. Alistair Crowley would say. Yes. Um, so we talked about, like, uh, the neighborhood was the Halloween neighborhood. There's more film connections. The school gym where they have the big dance and everything, that's the same gym where they shot the uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer film. Yes. And also that same gym was used for Jawbreaker in 1999. Right. Which is another of those, like, teen horror mm-hmm. borderline kind of thing. Uh, and there's still more connections. Um, Anton's dog is the same dog that was in Road Trip. 
very classic oh, yes. teen okay. comedy of right. the time. Right. Um, well, I think in that he was like the stone talking dog Corky, wasn't it? I think. Uh, uh, I'm not sure I saw that one. Hmm. Uh, Randy's got a tattoo of a weeping Jesus, which is the same tattoo that Mickey has in Natural Born Killers. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, and then this is kind of a weird one. So, uh, Sean Whalen, who played one of the police officers, and then Joey Slotnick, who was the manager of Burger Jungle. We kept calling it Jungle Hut, but name doesn't matter. It's a dumb safari-themed <laughs> restaurant. But um, they both appeared together in Twister as some of the scientists. Okay. So even though they were never together at the same time in this film, that's a funny connection there as well. Yeah. Um, let's see. Oh, there's some funny, like, accidental things, like... Um, the whole like nutmeg and oregano bit. One of the things he does after he smokes it and he's choking is he grabs some dish soap and like just sprays it in his mouth. Mm-hmm. That was ad libbed by Devin Sala. That's just in the moment he thought of it and just did it. And they kept that take. I appreciate the commitment because that must have tasted <laughs> awful. Uh, let's see. Around that same time, it's whenever he's vomiting in the bushes and then his buddies show back up. It's for a split second, but you can see Molly in the background. And it looks like she's on the balcony of her house. Yeah, playing bass or something, uh-huh. right? Um, this is the remnants of a deleted scene that was going to set up more of her being like a, a rocker chick okay. that makes her own music and stuff. That may have helped her character a little. I don't know. Perhaps. Kind of doubt it. <laughs> um, let's see. Right after Anton kills his buddies, one of the things he does when he's in his like stupor before he sits down on the couch he walks into one of the support beams of the house and it makes this very like dull thud. That wasn't like an effect thing they added in. He actually did that and it just made that sound and they kept it. Really? So. Wow. Um, let's see. I talked about the go-go Buffalo thing. That was a deleted scene reference. Mm-hmm. Uh, the film got delayed from release even beyond the whole um, reshoots. Because it was going to come out in the wake of the Columbine Massacre. Yes. Which is maybe something we need to talk about. It, it came out the same month that happened. Yeah. And that, that probably affected its box office. Because this was not Greatly. a profitable film. No, it, it, it <laughs> tanked hardcore. And it was because the, in the wake of that, there was so much backlash against horror, mature video games, media of all kinds. If there was anything remotely violent that came out mm-hmm. in the couple of months after that, it was... Like, there's an episode of Buffy, a very yeah. good episode of Buffy that was postponed Yep, because of that. Earshot was the name of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of other projects, I'm sure. I can't think of right off the top of my head. I don't know how deep you want to talk about the whole Columbine Massacre thing. Uh, I guess the, the one point I want to make is that the media kind of screwed the pooch on covering that, and definitely no, no kind of media was responsible for that at all. If you look at like the kind of like footage of the time and like news outlets talking about it, they get very into like, oh, they were loners. They were these goth kids that were into horror films and playing Doom. And yeah. and then that couldn't be further from the truth. They were like rich, popular kids yeah. that were like the bullies of their school. Right. Um, <laughs> it, they still do it. It was probably yeah. worse then, but whenever anything like that, another school shooting happens, mm-hmm. it's all, they got to find their scapegoat. Right. It's going to be metal. It's going to be video games. Mm-hmm. It's Marilyn Manson. What the fuck ever. It, it you know, can't be, the flavor of the let's look is. at these people. Let's look at their psychology. Let's look at their life. Let's look at the fucking parents. Yeah. Who raised these fucking How did psychos. this happen? 
So, um, but, yeah. but no, just blame it on random media yeah. and entertainment. Right. Um, little tiny references, more just for me as a punk rock kid. When he's on stage, Dexter Holland, frontman of the Offspring, he is wearing an AFI shirt. Yeah. Great punk band that I think uh, were also on the Nitro Records label that Dexter started for a while. When they were a punk band, they were a great one. <laughs> Until they sold out and became like this emo band. I don't even know what the fuck they are. Uh, I like some of their like emo-ish leaning stuff uh, they got into. I like their early stuff. Their early stuff's Their great. early stuff is great. They were like one of the mainstays of like the hardcore punk yeah. movement. Uh-huh, we got that. Um, speaking of bad box office, so I, I got the notes on that. It opened April 30th, 1999. It only opened in about 1,600 theaters. A lot of theaters just refused to show it yeah. due to everything that was going on. Uh, it grossed $1.8 million in its first week. And then a total of just over $4 million, and that was off a budget of twenty to $25 million. Yeah. Ooh. So it was an absolute and utter flop. That's why we never got an Idle Hands 2. <laughs> <laughs> Would that be both hands being possessed? <laughs> right, yes. Um, Two Idle Hands. T-W-O, Idle Hands. That would have been the name of the sequel. A lot of theaters in Colorado where the massacre happened, they refused to show it. Uh, Senator Joe Lieberman berated Idle Hands in Congress during a speech saying, quote, another grossly violent film targeted at teens that uses killing as a form of comic relief. Yeah, I wonder if he saw the movie. Somehow I fucking doubt it. (laughs) Yeah, the the 90s was like a prime time for uh, fucking politicians to blame the media on everything. Oh, yeah. George Bush hated the Simpsons because uh, Bart was a bad role model. Mm-hmm. Um, who was it? Uh, oh, that fucker Quail berated Murphy Brown, mm-hmm. a fictional character, for having a child out of wedlock. Yeah. This was the fucking 90s, people. <laughs> and it feels like we're circling back to that. You know, it's funny because, like, the satanic panic right is the 80s, but yeah. so much of that still echoed oh, into sure. the 90s. Yeah. Um, I always think of, what is it, Tipper Gore. She, oh, she had a craw about a lot of Jesus media. Christ. And then uh, Hillary Clinton, who I've never forgiven for some of her anti-media statements oh, yeah. that she's made. Absolutely. <laughs> we got to find that scapegoat. It's not our fault, mm-hmm. you know. Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> so where is this film today in regards of things? Um, so if you go to the old Rotten Tomatoes, it's got a 15% rating based out of 55 reviews. Its average rating is a 3.39 out of 10. Uh, the consensus, if they, the, the consensus quote that they pulled is, the film is an uneasy mix of slapstick and gore. Idle hands lacks the manic energy and comedic inspiration required to pull off its goofy premise. Uh, if you slide over to Metacritic, it's got a 31 out of 100. Noting that overall, there are generally unfavorable reviews to this film. Online, it has some modicum now of like a cult following. Mm-hmm. It's one of those films that's kind of been rediscovered by some people. Oh, yeah. I could see anyone as, as a teen who saw this being fond, like you, mm-hmm. still being fond of it and singing yeah. its praises. And... Yeah, so this is where I was saying, like, I talked to some of my friends and they're like, yeah, we rewatched that recently and it didn't hold up. And then I was kind of, you know, I was, I was over there being shook because I was like, <laughs> I rewatched it like three times this year and I fucking love it more and more every time I watch it. Um, yeah. So last little side thing I want to talk about, and then mm-hmm. we can get into our thoughts and feelings on this. Um, this film, like many films, had an accompanying soundtrack. And that soundtrack is dope as hell, I think. The 90s and early 2000s, th- this was the era, the last gasp of the movie soundtrack. Because mm-hmm. we don't really get that anymore. 
especially where you get cuts that aren't even in the film. Yeah. But they're like, oh, this is kind of like the theme. Yeah. Uh, some of the big ones I remember is this. I remember the Scream 3. That was like the new metal soundtrack mm. du jour. Um, but yeah, this one, it was released by Time Bomb Records, which is another great punk label. And, and dude, like the album is great. It's got The Living End, Blink-182, Offspring, of course, uh, Rob Zombie, Zebrahead, Static X, Unwritten Law, The Vandals, Motley Crue. Just an awesome... And the theme song for the movie itself is pretty pretty killer. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, the theme's composed by Graham Revel. Mm. Very good, like... This is one of those, like, ultimate Halloween themes. Like, if I ever make a playlist mm. of just, like, Halloween music, I always throw this theme yeah, on Yeah, even there. if someone doesn't recognize it, it fits. Yeah, it, it feels like it's just right on. Yeah. Um, but I, I pulled this quote because it made me so mad. So, the, the, the album has also been reviewed. And um, Chuck Donkers, a critic that reviews Chuck Donkers. music and albums and stuff from all music rated this album two out of five stars remarking that it befits a combination teen comedy horror flick that climaxes at a high school dance and that it features songs from over the top adolescent favorites there's nothing inherently wrong with that <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I, I saw this in theaters like right when it came out mm-hmm. I, I rushed and immediately bought the soundtrack oh I played that CD until it was so worn it would not play anymore. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, CDs are not really forever. <laughs> you, you can ruin them. You thought, yeah. <laughs> and, and I guess our last little thing to throw in there, um, so the whole film centers on this idea of idle hands, right? So I pulled the actual line from the Bible just so we could have it. Uh, it's proper- The Bible you always carry with you, well-thumbed and bookmarked. Not quite. A, the, the, the Google search I made. Uh, so it's Proverbs 16.27. It, it's funny because the full line changes the meaning, but everyone just remembers like the first part. So yeah, it's funny how that usually happens with the Bible, isn't uh, it? Oh yeah, convenient. <laughs> uh, but the full line is: "Idle hands are the devil's workshop; idle lips are his mouthpiece." Mm, yes. Ooh, that could be the sequel: "Idle lips." <laughs> okay. Idle mouth or something like that. <laughs> I have an observation. Yes, please share. Which I haven't got any like uh, confirmation on this, but I think. You can deduce it, but it's obviously inspired by The Hands of Orlac, which was first a novel by Maurice Renard, published in 1920, mm. uh, then made into a silent film by the same name in 1924. I don't think I've ever seen this film. Really? Yeah. It's, it's classic. Uh, Robert Vine directed it, and it stars uh, Conrad Veidt. Ooh, okay. Yeah, and Conrad Veidt's cool. great. Cool. The Man Who Laughs and all that. So what's it about? Uh, it is about a man... A pianist mm-hmm. who is injured in an accident. His hands are, have to be amputated, but they do this experimental graft where they put on new hands. Oh, and they're the hands of a killer. The hands of a killer. Yes, he, such a classic he, he, concept. He, he was like a knife-throwing uh, serial killer. Ooh. So the guy, his hands act on their own accord. Mm. Um, it was later remade as Mad Love in 1935, mm. directed by Carl Freund. Oh, uh, starring Peter Laurie and Colin Clive. You were just inserting a little bit of class to this uh, discussion. <laughs> I do what I can. I do you, what I you can. You are the film stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I just had to throw that in. That's awesome. It's, no, it's I, an obvious inspiration. I've not seen those, and I'll definitely want to look those up now. Yeah, um, check, it, check out both of them. Both very, very good. So here's an observation. I, I set this up, and I said I would go back to it. So here's what I think. Like we were talking about, like how this jumps from people to people. I think it's like a direct thing. I think that his parents were killed by the prior killer. And then it jumped to Anton while he was asleep. Is what I think happened. It could be. 
But, I mean, his shirt was ripped. True. I don't know. I guess we just don't get enough context to know. Yeah. I, I think he did it. Or his hand did it. He, he really wasn't responsible. <laughs> Do you think that will hold up in a court of law? Yeah, I think it will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess his zombie buddies can, yeah, they be, can be character witness, him. right? Yeah. So. Well, they're angels now. They'll have to come down from on high. So... I think we already know I love this film, and you're going to have the more interesting take, so maybe I should just go first on my summary. I don't know about interesting, but sure. <laughs> um, you have a fresh take, a first watch. Okay. That, that's usually right. more interesting than the person who's Watched it tried times. and true. So um, I love this film, just mm-hmm. start to finish. Uh, I think it's the true definition of a modern cult classic. Mm-hmm. I think maybe years on, as more time separates this film from its release to... Well, it's been 20 years. How much time does it need? Um, <laughs> as more people rediscover it, you know, now we've got the nice Scream Factory Blu-ray that's okay. all restored and fancied. But not 4K. No. Mm-hmm. That, that'll be, you know, when they need another release <laughs> right. in a little bit. Um, and I think it's so sad that it's kind of cursed in my mind in a lot of ways due to something that was completely unrelated to them that they had no way to plan for or know for. Right. Um, and now it's like it became at the time maligned for its premise like it was exploiting real world events whenever they were just, they had an idea and they were running with it. And I yeah. think that when you look at the film and you watch it and you look into anything, any extra features or anything where they talk about the film, there was so much like love and heart put into this just for the horror genre, for teen comedy films, for all of that. And I don't think it's an ambitious film. It's not, it's not trying to be like the next witch or hereditary or anything. <laughs> no, um, that's true. It, it just wants to pay love to some classic horror films, some classic teen comedies. And I think it's just really endearing that like it tries to do those things. It does them well enough. I really jive to a lot of the comedy in this. I just, I laugh my ass off every time I watch it. Um, and I feel like it's very laser focused on like, they said like it was scattershot, right? Like everyone thought it was a different thing. And maybe that's true. I I don't see why he would say that if it wasn't true. But I think that when it all shook out, it, it became this very like focused on the line to what it wanted to be kind of thing. Hmm. And when I look back at Cobweb, again, my criticism of that was that it felt very like buffet style. Okay. Let me take a little bit of everything to my plate. Mm-hmm. Um, and it made me reflect on that a little more. Um, let's see... Oh, and then there's some things too that even like, it's not like you can't go on IMDb and find this, but it was a thought I had as I watched it that like little parts in this film are just like nods to other classic horror films. It, it just like bled into it, I think, just from where they were coming from. Like when Anton gets ambushed by the cops in that alley, mm-hmm. that feels like it's straight out of like fucking Nightmare on Elm Street because it's this little alleyway that's between their suburban streets. Right. And there's the fence up. And for no reason in the middle of the day, there's just thick fog rolling through there. Mm. And he's kind of alone and it's desolate and he's just pushing a shopping cart. Yeah. And then you get this jump scare of the cops popping up on him. And so I just love it because it's one of those things like, it's 1999, so it's removed from like those quote unquote big classics of the 80s that like, for a lot of us to find horror even now. Right. But like, it, it kind of like draws upon all of that and echoes it into something that's definitely not like to the level of those, but it's its own thing hmm. that like shows love to those, but then also is kind of trying to just exist. Okay. I really appreciate it for that. I love it. I love all the actors in it. I love the characters. Yeah. They're a little tropey, you know, the stoner friends, the, sure. the, the bad boy, the, the dream girl, 
the the lovable loser archetypes do exist for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're, they're, again, like they they said, like they wanted to have that feeling of a friendship among the leads, and they definitely do. And I just find it so endearing. And I feel like you watch it, and like you know these characters, and it's like, yeah, I remember my friends. We we hung around and pounded right. around like that. Um, right. Same thing. I would blow off heaven to come back and help my bud. Yeah, if, totally. You know, if he's I, in this, I'd rather watch situation. horror movies yeah. and eat cheesy poofs. And <laughs> um, it's it's such a fucking comfortable film for me, and it is totally irrational, and it wouldn't hold up, I think, under scrutiny. But I give this five stars all the way. Oh, wow! I kept all all week. I've been telling myself I could talk myself down to four stars to be respectable. That is a very biased review. And then last night, for the fourth time this year, I rewatched it to be fresh for this episode. Wow. And I was like, I can't fucking do it. I got to be true to myself. Even, hey. if, even if it's irrational, five stars all the way. If it speaks to you, man, you know, follow your bliss. I, I love this movie and it encapsulates Halloween for me, so. Cool, cool. Now, where well, are well, you? Okay. Um, I didn't hate it. Mm. Did not hate it. I'm honestly very surprised about that. I did laugh at a few parts, like out it's, loud. It's very fucking 90s to you. It's very 90s. Yeah. And I am like, I'm so anti-90s. It's not even funny. <laughs> um... It was a bad time for horror. I mean, we can all cite some examples that were good. Candyman. And, sure. You know. But by and large, it was a terrible time for horror. <laughs> um, uh, I, I, I do think it's funny. I like the chemistry the actors have, especially mm. the three friends. It's hard to deny that like energy they have right. together. Um, I mean, it is very goofy. So as long as you can go along with that goofy sensibility. A little too wacky for you. Yeah, a little, that, yeah. a little over the top for me. Uh, I'm very picky about my comedy, though. And I admit <laughs> that. I'm very picky about my comedy. Um, uh, but parts do work. Uh, I like Seth Green a lot. He's, his deliveries are great. He, he rarely yeah, he fails to deliver. Yeah. Um, my biggest problem is the character of Molly. Mm. Uh, she's such a cipher. She has no agency. They gave her that one moment where she figures out how to stop the fan and stuff. But... Yeah. I mean, she is like, she, she's a 14-year-old boy uh, idea, the perfect girl, uh-huh. you know. And, and let me confirm for you, yes, that is true. Right. And <laughs> As someone who was 13 when it came out. Is there anything wrong with that? No, not mm-hmm. really, you know. Is it Purell? Yeah, but, mm-hmm. you know, that's okay. It is okay. Um, you kind of have to take that stance after the Friday the 13th episode we did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but at the same time, I just found her very frustrating because mm-hmm. there was just nothing. Honestly, I don't know if it was the way the part was written or the way it was acted. She came across to me as being potentially mentally deficient at times. <laughs> oh, wow. That sounds mean, <laughs> but either she was like rolling Molly for half the movie or she's just spaced out, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, yeah, then I do wonder if some of those deleted scenes might have... It may have helped. But, I mean, yeah. she's, she's pure eye candy. That's all she is in this movie. Um, you know, and that's the way some movies are. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing, because I'm not... I mean, you know me. I'm pure oil. I like, I like boobies <laughs> and stuff. Sure. But at the same time, oh, yeah, I would yeah. prefer... I, I get you. I would prefer a character that makes some more sense. Like, I, do, I never buy her liking Anton at all. I don't buy the relationship one single bit. Uh, so if I don't really care about the relationship, I don't really care about the crux of their movie of the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, and I guess it is. I'll give a little criticism of this film. Ooh. It's weakly balanced, I think, between you do have this romance plot because you got to have a romance plot because it's a studio it's, film. Uh, but it's really more about like I think his friendship with his buddies. Oh yeah, 
Yeah. And so the weight there is like, but you gotta, right, you, you not, gotta have the, the, the not gays in there. Mm-hmm. We have to have that. There has to be a female interest because you can't <laughs> think that, Oh, maybe these guys are gay because they're always hanging out. Which together. actually, uh, you scroll, can't have that in the scrolling 90s. Scrolling letterbox. No. Cause I did a whole thing where I was trying to find like, what are people now watching this thinking about it? And I saw a review where someone was like, you can't convince me that Mick and Peanut weren't gay together. Right. And I was yeah. like, oh, that's like an interesting interpretation of that. Sure, sure. Or it's or, or it's perfectly just platonic love, mm. whatever, you know. But it, it, there is a love there. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, and yeah, for me, they're the heart of the movie. They're mm. the love story. You know, th- their relationship <laughs> is the one I'm more interested in. Yeah, Because yeah. even his buds are trying to help Anton. They're like, dude, it's okay to slack, but you're slacking too much. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. What what does what does Molly offer? Nothing, you know. Mm. She she's she's a cipher. She's just the trophy. She she's the trophy to be won. She's the uber hot girl. Which I think that's that's the teen comedy part coming in. I think there's a lot of those yeah. where the lead right. girl is just like the victory yeah. condition, right? And I just I hate that trope. I had I hate that archetype. That kind of character is just it really irritates me. Um, so that that hurts the movie a lot for me. If they had a more capable, grounded, believable female lead, mm-hmm. I would have liked it better. Most likely. Cool. Um, that's my biggest gripe. I, I like I like the gore. I like the fact that it is bloody. You know, yeah. a lot, some of the humor lands, some of it not so much. <laughs> um, but anytime it's just the guys hanging out doing stuff, that's funny. Oh yeah, you know, like the reactions to everything. <laughs> um. At the end of the day, I would give it two and a half stars. Mm. I think better than I thought you would give it. To be honest, <laughs> I think it's perfectly average. It's harmless. You mm. know, I could see getting stoned and popping it in. You know, every couple of years or so, something like that. Yeah, you know, once a year, twice, three, <laughs> four three times, times four. <laughs> right now, five, six, seven times more. Um, so <laughs> I, I, I don't begrudge your love for it. You know, I get it. I understand. I think we all have those. I don't use the term guilty pleasures. We don't like that term. You know, I was thinking about that because we had talked about this recently. I was thinking like pet movies. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Something that just, it works for you. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to justify it. It just works for you. Uh, and I get that. I mm-hmm. totally get that. I probably got friends who I went to high school with who feel the same way about this movie that you do, you know. Um, they were the ones that were hanging out with high schoolers still, right? <laughs> right, 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 right. Uh, Big Randy vibes. So yeah, two and a half stars for me. Cool. I, I'm glad to see that some of the actors went on to bigger and better things, like Seth Green and... Mm-hmm. Uh, Hell, the next year, Devin Sawa was in Final Destination. Yeah, which he kills it in that. That's a great movie. And he's kind of having a revival now. He was the um, He's the father of the lead character in the Chucky TV series. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which I don't want to spoil any of the plot of that, but he's very good in it. Cool, He cool. plays kind of a kind of a darker character, but... Nice. Uh, it's a neat turn for, to be used to him being like the, the 90s, 2000 horror lead. Yeah. Cool. So that's where I'm at. Two and a half stars. Killer. If this sounds like your sort of movie, I mean, you'll probably enjoy it. I think I think you know if this is your kind of movie yeah. or not. I think you, you know? can watch the trailer and immediately know if you're down for this or not. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing to puzzle out otherwise. Right. Cool. Well. I, I was worried this might uh, damage our friendship, but it... No. It seems to have brought us even closer. So. <laughs> 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 now let's light this pipe. And sit down and watch the movies. Let's take a little Anton time. <laughs> a little Anton time. So, man, what's uh, what we got going on next? So we've what's got happening? one more film coming. And 
and it's going to be a surprise. It is. Yeah. I wonder what it's going to be. Like, I really wonder what it's going to be. <laughs> we're coming up to the end of the month. We're coming up to Halloween. Mm. It'll be our last film before Halloween the hits. The best time. Man, so, October's almost halfway over already. You know, there's the whole trick-or-treat thing, so mm-hmm. we got to have a little trick for you. Maybe a treat. Mm. So we're not going to announce it on air. Okay. We're, we're going to let you mull and wonder... In the wake of both Cobweb and Idle Hands, two films that could not be more different from one another. No. But yet both about Halloween times. That's Halloween for you, man. Mm. It could be so many things. It can be fun. It can be scary. It can be both at the same time. Yep. It can be sexually it, confusing. It can be sexually confusing. <laughs> it can be arousing. It can be repulsing. Um, it could be so many things. Mm. So we'll just let you mull and wonder on what it's going to be. And I'll maybe tease it like a few days before. Sure. Or something. Awesome. And we may have a guest. We may not have a guest. All depends on how those stars align. Is... Well, we do have our uh, Camp Crystal Lake victims sitting here next to yeah, us. Yeah, we do. So... I feel like you need to take an updated photo for me to share. Cause, oh, I will. I will. Um, it's no longer just a skeleton. It's uh, <laughs> It's been upgraded into a Camp Crystal Lake uh, counselor, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Met a grizzly end. Unfortunately, yeah. Mm. That'll I'll happen. Have, I love it. Thank you. So this was fun. I hope you guys had fun. Check this out if it seems like you're going to vibe to it. If not, you know, maybe you don't need to see it. It's cool. It's whatever. Yeah, it's okay. You'll be all right. Do you. <laughs> um, let us know what you think of it if you have seen it. Is this a Halloween classic for you, or did it did it fail to hold up, or has it aged poorly? Uh, we didn't really talk about it, but I guess there is some stuff you get into about, like, uh, there's some maybe things that are said in this film that aren't so PC these days. Sure. It's a 24-year-old um, movie. Right. Yeah, you, know, you just got to take that as the... Record of the time, but I can see how that could be off-putting to some people. So right. uh, do know that going in. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, let us know what you think. Hit us up with movie recommendations. What fun Halloween films do you like to revisit every year? Yeah, and check out um, some of your pet movies. Yeah, what are some of your pet movies? Your obsession with what is your Idle Hands that you just rewatch <laughs> ten times a year that you love from start to finish? I want to know. Let us know. We want to know, and you can let us know. By emailing us at genreexposure at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Facebook, hit us up on X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it. All them socials. They're all the same. Instagrams. I like the Instagrams. I like to see see what you're doing. I, like, I, like, <laughs> I know you do. I like to watch you. You here. Yeah. <laughs> um, but all that said, you've been listening to Genre Exposure. Bye, everyone. listening to the prescribed films podcast network home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment the shows on this network all have a common goal providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media the pfpn hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com thanks for listening